happy Father's Day. You guys doing good? Yeah? You guys awake? You guys need coffee? There's coffee back there if you guys need it. Um, if you're new to the church, uh, my name is Taka. If you're not new, my name is still Taka. Uh, I get to be part of the team here at the church. You know, what's interesting about church is um, for Father's Day and Mother's Day, is typically on Mother's Day, we do it on all the moms, you know, and say, you're amazing, and here's all the reasons why you're amazing, and, you know, here's your mani-pedi, whatever. And then uh, for the dads, we're like, suck it up guys, step it up. Here's all the things you're doing wrong. You, you need to bring it up. And we don't, we don't want to take that approach. So all the dads in the room, we applaud you. We are so glad that you're here. You made a good decision, brought your family to church. So hey, just, you're, do, you're doing a great job. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit uh, with the panel. For Mother's Day, we tried uh, something and we had a Mother's Day, a, mo- a mom panel. And it wasn't because they were like experts at being moms. Uh, they'd probably say that they were probably the opposite of that. Uh, but they were, we wanted to hear from a mom's heart kind of what they've learned about God and faith and parenting uh, from being a mom. And we want to do the same thing uh, with the dads. And so we picked a few dads. These guys aren't like the best dads. If you're wondering like, well, how come I didn't get picked? Uh, it's probably because you're a better dad than these guys. And uh, you're just overqualified. Just kidding. So, uh, but we, we picked some guys that we felt like um, we just want to talk about what, what did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about your faith? What did you learn about God? Because when you, when you had a child, because what's interesting is those of you guys, dads that know this, like when you had a kid, well, mostly your wife, but when like when your child was born, you saw God differently, right? And it's one of those weird things where God didn't love you any differently, but you love God differently. Something switched, right? There's like a, like a, something flipped in your head where you like this little um, clay covered looking alien, right? You're, I will I will fight dragons for this kid. Something changed. Right, And so some of you guys actually came back to church, came back to your faith because you had a kid. So it's, it's really interesting. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that for a little bit. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, let's, let's start off, whoever wants to start and then um, whoever wants to go from there, uh, say your name, uh, what you do for a living, and uh, how you came to voice and introduce us to your family. Have your little picture up of your family, whoever goes first. So name, what you do for a living. Introduce us to your family, and how did you come to voice? Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Alan. I, uh, no. Um, <laughs> thanks for coming um, to group, Alan. Hi, Alan. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Alan Smith. Um, my beautiful wife is Andrea, and we've been coming to voice for uh, a little bit over a year now. We started in Pepper Tree Park. Uh, I'm a teacher, educator by profession, by trade. Um, Oh, wow, look at that guy. Jeez. Um, and uh, our boy is Koa. And uh, we might need some Kleenex up here. I'm just warning you guys. <laughs> um, I am Raphael. I've been a part of church. I was thinking about this. I actually went to my car today because I remember exactly what I did when I came to church for the first time. I, do you remember that I sent you like a love letter that was like four paragraphs long? And the only thing he responded was, cool, let's meet. And like, dang. And so <laughs> I remember hitting him up about four years ago. Uh, we met at a Starbucks kind of. It was an, on Instagram. It was on Instagram. So he wrote out a note, I think on, on Apple Notes. I took remember. a screenshot and DM'd me on Instagram. <laughs> and I think the first sentence was something like, I'm not weird, I promise. <laughs> True. <laughs> so um, I've been coming to voice uh, more or less since the beginning of it all. Um, that's my wife, Kathy. We've been married for about eight years. And then that's my daughter, Brooklyn. Uh, she just turned five a, uh, a month or two ago. So, oh, and I'm a school teacher. 
Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Chan. Um, I, I'm a software engineer. That is my better half, Janelle. The Janelle is carrying Austin, our three and a half year old, and that that's Miles there in the carrier. Um, we started attending Voice, I think, uh, March of 2021. Thank you. Um, and we actually we moved here from New York, October of 2020, and we were looking for a church after having left our home church where we went through all of college for 10 years. Um, and so we, we naturally, we, we yelped churches and voice came up and we started attending virtually and uh, yeah, we've been here for about a year now. Yeah, and my name is Eric. Uh, you, uh, you've heard, heard from me a bit uh, recently, especially my wife's name is Arielle. Uh, I have two kids, Eli and Naomi. Uh, the first time we, I met Taka and Natalie, it was actually their date night and I totally crashed their date night. And I'm still here. They still like me. That's awesome. Uh, but I'm just I, I'm proud to be a part of this church. I've been here since uh, before we launched. And God orchestrated a series of events to put us kind of in line at the right time. So we're just proud to be here. Yeah. Um, oh, I totally forgot to do something. So uh, <laughs> the thing with dads is there's kind of this running idea that dads have terrible jokes, which are not true. Like, my jokes are super good. Uh, but I want to... We want to go through just a, f a few uh, really bad dad jokes uh, for you. So uh, if you want to put the first one up there, Jude. Uh, so they're, they're a little, like, little, um, little cringy, a uh, little Christian cringy. So it says, who was the smallest person in the Bible? Answer, Nehemiah. Maya. You get it? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's three more. So just brace yourselves. Next one. What kind of person was Boaz before he got married? Ruthless. Get it? Ruthless. Now you just actually just taught on Ruth. I'm sorry. Th uh, third, we're almost done. Uh, third one, how does Moses start his morning? Hebrews, a pot of coffee, Hebrews. You get it? Another Bible joke. A little groaner. Last one, uh, need a guy to build an ark? I know a guy. I know That's a guy. Good. So I'm sorry, uh, but we want to help you, uh, dads, in your uh, dad joke game. So as you guys leave, we got a stack of dad joke books. Uh, for you, I kid you not, it's a true story. So we bought a bunch of them, so all the dads, grab one on your way out. If you uh, are going to lunch with your dad and you forgot to get him a gift, grab one for him uh, and just say just say it's from you. And you were thinking about him. There was a couple like off-color jokes. We took them out. Madison, our children's pastor, took them out, so they're clean. Uh, and uh, they're, they're Jesus-honoring. Uh, the ones we cut out were... They were actually pretty funny, but they were not appropriate. So uh, that's kind of how it goes. Uh, so anyways, okay, so let's go. Whoever wants to start again and then whoever wants to go, but talk about the moment uh, your first child was born and what was that experience? Don't, don't go into uber detail, uh, but I'm, my guess is you can remember uh, everything. about. Like one of my friends, when, he, when his first, uh, Jordan, if you're watching, when he, his wife, Jess, was getting the epidural. Uh, he's like, it was a magical moment. My, my, my world was turning upside down. And then he passed out uh, because he saw this, like, it's not even a needle. It's like a pipe. Have you seen, like, an epidural? Uh, so he was passing out, and the nurse was giving, or the anesthesiologist was giving the epidural. And then it starts going, Daddy down, Daddy down. And they go, they catch, like, you're in a Pentecostal evening service, catches uh, Jordan, the dad, modesty cloth on him, and then... Anyways, but what was that moment for you guys? Uh, it could be funny, it could be serious, but I'm, I'm guessing it's a moment you, you don't easily forget. Yeah, I didn't want to be that daddy down. Um, and it was, they expect that, you know, and, and I, I think uh, for all the dads in here, 
you know, before the birth actually starts coming, like taking place. So it's like five people in the room. And then all of a sudden it's like 25 people in the room. And I could feel like I was focused on my wife and I could feel like the, the chair coming in the back of my leg, like, oh, they're expecting me to go down. And I was like, nope, I can't do that because I just knew like I had to be there for Andrew and the kids. So, um, oh man, it was crazy though. It was uh, it just, you know, that you go through the breathing classes and um, the breathing classes are, are also for the husband too. Cause I was just like, okay. <sighs> Focus. Just, just be here. Just be. Here. Don't think about fainting because I've done that before. I've been in the hospital and just, oh. So I, I just, I, I had, I just knew, you know, with being a father and being a husband, uh, I had to be there. Like there was, that wasn't an option to to go out like that. So, whew, I'm, I'm glad I didn't faint. And uh, it was crazy because you know there's some things that, you know, not to get into details, but the, you know during the birth it was like all of a sudden like. Here's a kid, and then all of a sudden the kid's on me, and Andrew's like, you know, you know, doing things had happened. So I was just like, okay, I, this is it. So I could only imagine what that would've been like. Like I think Koa many years from now would've been like, Dad, you weren't there, man. Come on, man. Like <laughs> you were, you were getting uh, CPR on you. So, but yeah, just uh, something. You know, the cliche is actually true. Like something happens inside you when when that's really happening. Like. It's definitely uh, the Holy Spirit's taking over inside you. Like, okay, you're, this is you. This is this is uh, Act One, Scene One for you, Dan. So, um, for those who know me, I, I and it'll make sense why I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna open up this way. Uh, I like having serious conversations about serious stuff up front because I hate the awkwardness that comes from not having those serious conversations. So it was on Saturday. I remember exactly what happened. It was Saturday. My, you know, we, we had eaten sushi, and well, at least I did because my wife was very strict about not eating fish during the time. And uh, we were home, water broke, went to the hospital, and the very first thing I said to the nurse as she came in, uh, I was like, hey, I don't want to have this conversation later, but, like, if it's between her and my daughter, it's my wife. Like, I want everybody to know <laughs> that if something were to happen where it's life and death, I'm choosing my wife. Like, we can make another one. And, you know, I didn't feel like a jerk. Um, I did not feel bad about it. I mean, there was zero remorse. And so the nurse just looked at me. And <laughs> I could just see, you know, I could sense, like, you idiot. You, you don't know what you're talking about. And so <laughs> throughout the day, uh, you know, I say that because obviously we're in the room. I mean, things happen real quick. Uh, my wife already kind of shared this. She had a very great experience. Uh, she'll, I'm not putting words in her mouth. She'll let you know that it was easy-ish for her. Um, so, like, it was 30 minutes, done. And as soon as I held Brooklyn, you know, I don't know what happened, but there was, like, a switch. And I remembered exactly what I told the nurse a couple of hours before. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I could do that anymore. You know, I don't know if I can go back if we had a second one, and the first thing that will come out of my mouth will be, hey, if it's between her and my daughter or my son, I'm choosing her because it's a lot different. And, you know, just like what you were saying, it's like act one, see one type of deal. You know, it, it did not become real to me. Uh, it was, you know, it was it the whole time because I, I had no connection. I felt the, 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 the kicks and all. But as soon as I held her, and I don't get very emotional up until I became a dad, it just, something just flooded. 
and I realized that like this is it. You know, I I I gotta be a great dad. I gotta be a great provider. I I I gotta be a great example of who God is to me. And hopefully, she's able to see that. I was growing up, but man, I remember that was probably the the, the loudest thing. I say the story all the time, and my wife knows this now that it's not as easy as I'm picking you <laughs> compared to it was the first time. But it's I don't know what it was, but it's swished. You held your baby. And the amount of love, and, and there's not one thing, and I know we all agree with this, there's not one thing that we wouldn't do for our kids, man. Um, so we, we were in New York when Austin was first born. I remember we got to the hospital something like 4 or 5 in the morning. We had been there for a while, and everything was going fine. Uh, you know, it was taking some time, but they told us everything's progressing fine. You're gonna, you don't have to worry. And then all of a sudden in the hospital room, we started hearing beeping. And like Alan said, before, you know, there were one or two nurses. And all of a sudden, there were 20 people. They were shoving me out of the way. And <coughs> uh, it turns out Austin's heart was, I don't know why I'm getting emotional. It's not a big deal. He's fine. He's like in the <laughs> other room. Um, let me just, let me just. Uh, uh, so it, t- it turned out Austin's heart was uh, really slowing down to the point where it was concerning. And so for, it, it really went from zero to 100 real quick where <coughs> they were like, okay, dad, get out of the way. Um, they had 20 people we have to get them out. And so, you know, it was this, this crazy thing of everything was fine. And then all of a sudden they were wheeling her out like her bed. W- they were like in a rush where her bed, they were, her stretcher was slamming against the wall because they were trying to get her to the operating room. And um, they had him out within a minute. And so sh- they wheel him out. I'm just, I'm just standing there like what's going on. Um, and then they had me scrub up and I went in. And I think by the time I got in Austin, they, had, they already had Austin out. It was like 7.46. They had her in the room, 7.47. I, I was holding him. And um, besides just kind of being astonished by what Janelle had endured and gone through, um, I, I held this, this like little alien. And <laughs> I think in life, I, I felt this consistent theme of like, I'm really blessed. God has always been so faithful to me. And when I held him, it was just this overwhelming sense of thankfulness that I, I got to be in this little boy's life, that I got to be his dad. Um, yeah, it was just kind of everything just kind of faded away. And it was uh, this incredible moment of, my God, thank you for, for this gift. Um, and I think somebody cried. I don't know who, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in addition to all that, I, I remember that moment because uh, I cut the cord and then they hand you the baby and. And you have this moment. It's totally true. Everybody said it. And, and you know, when you have that experience, you'll, you'll say it too. It just, you change in the moment. And I remember feeling the, the kind of weight of this little alien that's changed colors three times and now is in my arms. And, you, you know, it's like this sense, this, this balance of like total control. Like you have control. We have control over this. But it also, you're now in a position to really serve. This, they, they are dependent on you. And I remember thinking that and, and thinking back on, like, that's how it works with God, too. Like, when we, are, when we are totally dependent on him and he has that control, it also positions him to serve. And so I just remember my whole outlook changed. The whole thing changed that, yeah, my life is not my own anymore. And it's, it's like, you know, there's something else. There's something more meaningful. And God's taken us in a new direction. Yeah. What is so interesting about that is, like, um, <clears throat> you all had some similar themes. Like, I, I mean, I, I echo, like, so much of your guys' uh, stories. Um, it was, like, this beautiful, chaotic, uh, weird, 
scenario. I mean, the whole thing was like, you know, people are like, it's just beautiful. And it was weird. And, it, you know, all sorts of things going on. But there's this immediate sense of I, this thing can do nothing for me. Uh, it's, it like can't help me mow the lawn or pay bills or, you know, it literally can't even do anything. Uh, but I will give my life for it. I'll serve it. I'll get second and third jobs, whatever it takes to protect. I will fight dragons for this thing. What is that? And I think there is an echo. I think moments like that is when, you know, we believe in this idea of, of Imago Dei, right? We, that we're image bearers of God. And I think in those moments, we see an echo of our Heavenly Father. And I think sometimes when we hear like situations like this, you're going, well, you don't know my dad. And so the whole idea of Father's Day may be a sore subject for you because of your relationship with your dad. And, um, but remember that what we echo is a perfect father. You know, and what, what each dad, you're like, well, my dad didn't treat me the way these dads love their kid. But you have a father that we're just an echo of that feels that way about you. And even for the dads in the room that we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but dads in the room that there's, there's so many pressures that are on us as dads. And I know moms too, but for dads, it's a unique, different kind of pressure. And you feel it and you feel like an imposter and you feel like you're failing because you see this other, other dad on social media has like devotions with their kids every day and their kids love Jesus and they all planted churches by the time they're nine and they, you know, and they're writing devotionals and, and you're like, I can't even get my kid to go to church and I'm a failure. And, but in the middle of all that, God loves you, is proud of you. I can just feel that. And so anyways, anyways, uh, how has your relationship with God uh, shifted during different seasons? I don't know if there's one season that really it, it sticks out in your head. Because I feel like with parenting, it's one of those things, where you, all, all your parents understand, where just when you feel like you got handles on one season, the season's over. And you're like, come on, I just figured that out, you know, and so by the time we're like, you know, child number two or three, we're, we're pros at that point. First one, it's all, they're the, they're the guinea pig. We're, you know, we'll, we'll see how this one turns out and we'll make adjustments as, as necessary. But um, so how has different seasons changed your relationship with God? So uh, Koa's, you know, he's two years old. Um, so he's a, he's a true pandemic baby. And Andrew and I were up in the Bay Area before he came, and uh, the deal was, it's not like a, an official deal, but, um, you know, we wanted to be closer to family and friends in SoCal. And so, and we loved it up there, but once he came in the world, it was like, we got to make this happen. And, you know, that pandemic started, that was January 29, 2020, pandemic really hit here March 16th, and, and so we came down, and... Um, it's all been a transition since then. I mean, it, not just so much for families, but churches. And, and so um, one thing for us and for our family, and now, you know, having a son, him knowing God's like, that's like number one on my list. And so uh, not being in a church, you know, every Sunday is really tough. And so when we moved down here, you know, all the churches were on video, basically. And so... Um, you know, we were blessed that we found voice. And actually, we had found you, but we didn't find you. We, we're in the, you guys are in the community center. So um, when we finally saw you, you know, in the, uh, in the park, that was like a blessing for us. Um, but, yeah, just being a father, being a new father during the pandemic, like, 
um, it's really um, just made me more uh, intentional with my prayer life. And um, not going to church still, like, uh, I, th- I was thinking about this the other night. Like, I just found myself um, over my, and my co-is having a hard time sleeping in his bed. And uh, he's coming over to our bed a lot. Oh, man. And so, sorry if I'm a little bit sleep deprived. So, <laughs> but um, I just find myself praying over him oh, and just pouring out. Not, it's not me. It's, it's just all God just on him. And um, uh, being a believer for a long time, I, I've never prayed like that. So uh, now that I'm a father, like I, I'm a vessel for, for God on, on his life. So sorry, that's not eloquent, but, you know, that's just, um, you know, and, you know, I, I just going to spill the beans like, I didn't have that love from my dad. So um, my dad loved me in different ways, but not necessarily like telling me like, Alan, I love you. So um, not just going to deep prayer, but even like little moments picking up my boy, like I just whisper in his ear like, you know, I love you. So that's that's all God, though. <laughs> I don't know what father did, did man. fatherhood did, but man, it's gotten me way more cheesier and sappier um, <laughs> than before. Um, it's crazy because I forgot about this question, and uh, I don't think you guys know, but I'm preaching in about a month from now, and the message that, I, that God placed in my heart was kind of the answer that I'm going to say today, and I won't take all this time explaining it. I'll explain it later, but I grew up in a very rigid household. Um, not only a very rigid household, but I grew up in a very rigid church uh, where rules and regulations and expectations were like up here, especially if you were the oldest. Uh, and, and some of you can relate to that. Some of you <laughs> may not. Um, but growing up in a hostel like that, it was very much you're respected because you're feared, not because you loved. And I knew that. And, you know, it was in church was the same way. I, I went to church because I was afraid to go to hell. And I went to church because I was afraid that if I didn't go to Sunday, that I may not get the job I want because, you know, God <laughs> requires faithfulness. And, you know, I went to church. Um, yes, I love Jesus. And that was, you know, more or less the core of what I was doing. But if I was honest with myself, a lot of the things that I did was based out of fear. I went to college out of fear of being poor. I ran away from ministry because I was afraid to be poor. I didn't want to be a pastor because I was afraid to be poor. And so there's a lot of things that I've done in my life that was based out of fear. And it's taken a long time. Uh, I, 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 I can't tell you how long it's taken for me to understand and realize that God is a lot more gracious than I give him credit for. And, and not only is he a lot more gracious than I give him credit for, but his grace extends beyond my understanding. And so one of my fears as a dad, and, and one because I'm a teacher, and B because we all know for those who work with kids or work with people, you become your parents as you get older. And it's, you have to be very, very intentional about not maybe doing the things that your dad did or maybe exemplifying the things that your dad do well. And one of the things that I have a hard time with, and, and, and it kind of goes hand in hand with God, is that I love to, <laughs> my no's are no's and my yeses are yeses, and my daughter knows that. And there are times where I am not as gracious as I should be because I don't take no <laughs> lightly. 
and, and sometimes things get triggered. Um, and, and I'm trying my best, like, during the season to go, yo, you know, there's a verse in the Bible in, in Luke chapter 7, and I'm not going to go through the context, but it says that uh, for much, for those who have sins that are forgiven much, you love more. And for those that understand that, you understand that there's so much sin that has been forgiven me, you individually, and we often forget to extend that grace. I am so good, and now it sounds like I'm bragging. I'm so good at giving grace to the people up here. But I'm horrible with my family. Horrible. You know, the expectations that have been laid in me, as much as I hated them, and I, and I still do, <laughs> it's been a struggle. And so during this season that I've been here a voice, and I'm so grateful for the Agushis and the people here, it's the amount of grace that is given uh, to people to find their journey again. And for me, one of the things that I've learned being a father is like, man, God is not the harsh with you. Why are you this harsh with her? Like, I'm not this upset with you. Why are you so upset with her? And so it's something that I'm still struggling with, and, you know, and it's something that I'm still working through. But I think that's been the biggest revelation for me is that God is so much gracious than I give him credit for. And my prayer for me is that I can be that to my daughter in a very loving um, way where she, you know, she, she knows that. I know she thinks, well, hopefully she thinks she knows I love her. But where I could be, you know, less like a butt. <laughs> um, so I don't know whether this is because of my cultural or spiritual upbringing, but one thing I've learned in my short time as a father is that I have a somewhat unhealthy relationship with obedience and I take disobedience really personally. Um, and so recently we took a trip where there was some jet lag, there was a time zone difference and Austin was really tired and he woke up in the middle of the night and I had to change his diaper or pull up, I can't remember. And he wouldn't let me change him and I was jet lagged, I was tired. And he, would, he was just rolling around in bed screaming at me. And Miles is sleeping next to him. He, he, I don't want to wake up. And he's screaming, like, I don't want a diaper. I don't want to pull up. And I just lost it. I, I picked him up. And I think, I, I don't know many people here, but I, I used to think myself pretty level-headed and calm. <laughs> but um, I just picked him up, and I just yelled at him. I was like, you have to put on a diaper. You know, what are you doing? And... It's, it's kind of funny seeing it now, but he, he was terrified. And I, was, I kind of scared myself because that part of me had never come out before. Um, well, maybe it has. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, like, Janelle is my equal in a way where that I, I'm just, I don't, I wouldn't do that. But here's this, like, vulnerable boy. Um, he's three. He doesn't really know what he's doing. And I, his disobedience just kind of triggered me in a way that was, I think, inappropriate. Um, and it, it made me reflect on... Um, how I think about God. And for most of my life, I think, even now, a lot of the way I understand that love is, like, to serve is to love. Like, when you love someone, you serve them. And there was this arrogant part of me that maybe hasn't totally gone away that looked down on this idea of, like, oh, if you think God only loves you, you're an immature Christian. Like, if you pray, Daddy God, I just, I just make it cringe. and think, I, I don't want to offend anyone who prays that. It's, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> But but for me, I just could never do it. It just felt, I don't know, kind of not really true. But um, at the end of a long day when our boys have been really difficult and Janelle and I are just hanging out, um, we just kind of look at pictures of our sons, like no matter how terrible they've been. 
And this affection I feel is just so, it's not just quantitatively different, it's just qualitatively, categorically different. I've never felt affection like this. And um, I think it's made me kind of accept that God is affectionate and it's allowed me to receive more grace when I find that like, oh, I open my Bible app and it says, hey, Bible plan says you haven't read your Bible in 130 days. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's a bummer. I should change that. But um, <laughs> like he, I, I feel more confident, like kind of accepting God doesn't love me less. I can just kind of pick myself back up and get, get right to it. Um, so that, that's kind of changed for me. Yeah, I have the story of uh, Eli, my, my oldest, when he was uh, four, and he wa- I, I asked him, I said, uh, please don't go out in the backyard for the next little while because the sprinklers are going to turn on. He's four, he doesn't understand, whatever, and he just wants to go outside and play. And I remember watching him, like, open the door, unlock it, open the door, and I was like, he's, he's, I've told him not to, I've asked him not to, he's going to, okay. And so I watch him walk out back, and he's, like, standing in the middle of the grass, and the sprinklers turn on. And he's like, and, he, and it's summertime. He's not cold. All the moms, he's fine. And so I decided in that moment to walk out, but then just to, to call him back, to not get soaked in kind of a, a, a time for him to reap what he's sown and the consequences of his actions. And, uh, and I just said, dude, c- come here, come here, come here. And he did. It wasn't a, a long thing, but I just said, man, like you should really. And as soon as I started like the sermon, like the, the lecture to him, I, I remember God saying, yeah, that, that's how I parent you too. Like, that's how you, and so for me and my kids in different seasons, it has just been this constant opportunity to, to grow. This constant mirroring thing where I look at them and I think, man. And, and so it's, it's, it's been so cool that God has shown up in, like, in the ways that I hear echoed on a couch uh, a lot is that just to deepen how much I extend and then receive grace, to understand how much God really loves, not because we perform, not because we do anything wrong or right. It's just who we are. And I, I don't know that I would know that like I know that today without my kids. Yeah. All right, I got a few lightning round questions, and then I have like a one-sentence answer question. Uh, <laughs> okay, you get two sentences. <laughs> All right. Like you're, uh, what's that called? A run-on sentence? Okay. Uh, lightning round. Well, we asked some of these questions to the ladies, and I kind of want to get your responses. Don't overthink it. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Could be. <laughs> you should go to politics. Yeah. Yes. Definitely not. There's no way. <laughs> Bread, meat, yes. I think, I think it is. Okay. Meat, uh, meat-ish. Meat. We'll start with Eric, come backwards. Uh, movie you could watch anytime. Any Batman movie, anytime. Any uh, Batman movie? Except for Batman Returns. <laughs> okay, I was like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jim Carrey. Okay, sorry. Um, Lord of the Rings, all sixteen hours. Oh, all right, <laughs> extended. All right. Not a movie, but somebody fit Phil. It's my phone number for every shows. Somebody feed Phil. Somebody feed. It's about food. <laughs> it's a pretty funny show. Uh, Avengers: Infinity War. I, honestly, I, I would have said Bloodsport. Uh, oh I had that on VHS tape and it wore a thing out. It didn't work anymore. Uh, but my answer now is Top Gun Maverick. I really like that movie. That was so good. Okay. Um, 
If a movie were made about your life, who would you cast as yourself? Chris Evans. Obviously. <laughs> Doppelganger. I don't know actors. John Malkovich. Is there a famous red-headed male? Carrot Top. <laughs> Carrot Top. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Official answer, Carrot Top. Thank you, Voice I'd Church. Watch, I'd watch that movie. Wow. If I uh, had curls like that, yeah. I'd, I'd probably would yeah. rock it, actually. I think for me, it'd be Denzel, obviously. Um, <laughs> if you could have dinner with anybody, living or dead. Not like zombie form, you can go back in time when they're alive. Speaking Can't say Jesus, no Jesus. Speaking of actors, I think I would really love to like have a meal with Keanu Reeves. Oh yeah. Young or old? Present day. All right. Alexander Hamilton. Hmm. It'd probably be a disappointment because he's probably nothing like the musical, but <laughs> <laughs> he probably can't rap. For those who like soccer, Diego Maradona. I don't, even, I don't even know what she just said, but. Man, this is that's a really tough one. Uh, Robin Williams. Oh, that's, good. that's a good one. Uh, I'd say Michael Jackson. So many questions. Uh, <laughs> final uh, lightning round uh, question: uh, Over or under? Toilet paper. Over or under? There is a right answer, but obviously. Obviously. Over. Over. Be honest. Yeah, over. Over. Yeah, okay. We're no barbarians on the stage. Over is obviously the right answer. Those of you guys that are under, what? <laughs> what? Anyways. Uh, okay. Last, uh, last question. One sentence or two for Raphael. Um, what encouragement would you give to the dads in the room or watching online? Sounds cheesy. We'll probably all say something similar, but like there's no requirement to be loved. It's just our birthright. Um, if you're a young, if you're a dad of young kids, don't think so much about how you're doing when your kid is six months old. You don't have to go into a deep dive of how your marriage is. Just get some sleep and then <laughs> re revisit in like a year. <laughs> I mean, love relentlessly, man. Uh, you know, I know we all love different ways. Figure that out between you and your family. Love relentlessly. Um, just pay attention to uh, what your kids are saying and, and or not saying. Um, they say a lot without saying those things. And um, I know this is a sentence fragment, sorry. But you can, you can never say I love you too many times. I promise. No, this is honestly, I was talking to somebody earlier. I, I won't, I'm, I'm not going to. Um, can I just say, honestly, that one of the things that I was looking for at a church when I was looking for a church is to be able to find great men. Uh, that was important to me. And there's so many of you here that I learn by simply watching you dad. And I just wanted to take a moment from this perspective, from someone who's young, uh, you know, not terribly too old, <laughs> um, who I just love seeing how a lot of you father 
your kids. And I think that should be not only applauded, but I just want to be able to say that out loud in front of all of you, that I think there's a great dads here. I, I totally agree. Give yourself a round of applause. I, when, when, you, when you talk about that, um, sorry, I want to make a joke. I think of me. No, I, when, I, when, you talk, when you talk about that, I think about like uh, Roman uh, Calderon. Some of you guys that know him, he and his family live in Riverside. And so uh, they brought the whole family. Uh, what, they, what they do, but long before anyone else gets here really, they get here like at 8, 15 and every Sunday. And they clean the church. They, we never asked them to do it. They want to do it. Uh, there was even one Sunday a few weeks ago where they couldn't make it on Sunday, so they came on Saturday uh, to the clean. They're like, can we stop by, get the keys, and clean the church? We, we want to do it. This morning, they had an engagement that happens, like family were, were flying out of town, that happens right over church. And so instead of saying we can't make it, they came in early, cleaned, and then left right before service started to go back to Riverside. Uh, and I just, I'm like, that's leadership. That's leadership. Roman would hate to be on the stage. He'd rather die a thousand deaths uh, than be on here. Uh, but he's leading his family. And I, I just think that's uh, awesome. So can we give these guys a round of applause? <clears throat> um, I think my, my uh, one thing I would say to the, the dads in the room is just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. Days where you don't feel like it, days where you messed up, whether you feel like you messed up or you actually messed up, just keep showing up. Just don't disengage. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, if you guys want to take the couches, worship, you guys can, uh, start setting up a couple, uh, just last thoughts and I'm really, I'm, I'm buying them time, uh, is <laughs> what's interesting is we kind, we tend to go, you know, God is, uh, male, right? God is father and all, but God is so far beyond that structure. Right, um, he is. You know that that is not a box that he is. He fits in. But what's interesting is in Luke chapter fifteen when they were asking Jesus, kind of what is God like. He could have used anything to describe God, and he uses the word Father. It's fascinating. Why Father? He uses. He tells three stories actually in response. And, the f- to, to kind of describe and help them color in the lines of what is God like? Is he this big cop in the sky? Is he the librarian waiting for you to mess up, to shush you? Is he the, the, you know, the, the cop waiting for you to mess up, to, to pin you down? Like what, 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 is, what is God really like? And he goes, God's like a, a shepherd who has 100 sheep and he loses one. And yeah, he's grateful for the 99, but his heart goes out to that one. So he goes and searches for the one. When he gets the one, when he finds the one, he carries. He doesn't scold the one. He carries the one, brings him back. And then not only that, he throws a party. Says, everybody, what was lost is now found. Come celebrate with me. And he says, God is also like this woman who has uh, some coins that she lost. And she turns her whole house upside down because these coins are worth that much. And when she finds the coins, does the same thing, calls all her friends together and says, let's party because what was lost is now found. The third story is the story of the prodigal son. And he says, God is like a father whose son wishes he was dead, wants his inheritance early. And then his older son is kind of a jerk about it, doesn't even love the younger son. So you have this dad who has two lost sons. One is staying in the house, one's left the house. But this is not what the dad pictured. 
And God is the Father who sits on the front porch and is waiting. Maybe today the son is coming home. And so we talk about those stories as it relates to, you know, people who maybe are far from faith. And if you find yourself in the room and you are not in relationship with God, that story is about you, about God waiting for you to come home. Maybe today's the day to come home. But you know who it's also about? All of us. That God, God's eyes are on you. He's not waiting for you to mess up. God loves you. That you are so important to him. And I, I think some of us were like, yada, 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 Jesus loves me, I got the bumper sticker. But some of us, honestly, especially if you grew up in a household where church was all about do right and not wrong, do this or you're busted, everything is about you got to do this stuff to be loved and accepted. Some of us need to sit and go, I'm loved by God. I am focused on by God. If I said, right, I mean, when I was growing up, we lived probably a few miles away from Walter Payton. You know, Sweetness 34, Chicago Bears, they were good ones. And we used to like ride our bikes to his house. And if enough of us kids would be at the edge of a super long driveway, Sweetness would come out with like a helper. I don't know if it's his butler or whatever. And he would have a stack of um, black and white photos of himself. And he would, he would sign them and give them out to us kids. I still have mine, right? And I'm like, sweetness knows me. No, he doesn't. I was one of a crowd of little kids, you know, in the hood that he just came and helped us. God knows you. The Bible talks about this idea of who am I that God knows me? Who am I that he would call me friend? And I guess on Father's Day, as you guys go off and eat brunch or, you know, root beer flows that we have off there for you guys, just think about the fact that your Heavenly Father knows you, loves you, just as you are. Before you get any more initials after your name, before you get any more promotions, before you do anything, even in your worst moments, God loves you, is so proud of you, and is focused on you. Some of us really need to internalize that. So uh, with that, let me pray for us. So we're going to sing one last song together, and then we'll, uh, we'll dismiss here, okay? God, we just, um, God, I, I, I thank you for the, for the dads in this room. God, I, th- I pray that you would give them wisdom beyond their years, give them energy. God, would you help them to see how proud of them you are? Would you breathe fresh vision? fresh life, fresh joy, fresh hope into them. God, for some of them, they feel condemned. They feel like they're imposters. They feel like they're failing, that they can't get it together. And God, I pray, would they leave refreshed? God, would you remind them of how amazing they are, God, of how bright the future is, of how much of a difference you want to make through them. God, I pray no guilt, no condemnation. I pray for peace in their hearts, God. God, for those of us in the room that have rough relationships with our dads, God, I pray for reconciliation. God, I pray for restoration. I pray for forgiveness. I pray that they would look to you and see a perfect heavenly father. We love you, God. We love you. We thank you for today, and happy Father's Day, in Jesus' name.